So it looks like Garth Brooks, uh, Violent J and ICP, Drake, the Goldman Sachs CEO, Jay-Z, Rolling Stones, Beatles, and a number of other artists are in the news today. Oh, wow. A lot of news. Yeah, big news. Big news day for stuff. Yeah. Big news week. I think our top story, the top story in music this week is that Garth Brooks announces new album available only in CD box sets at Best Pro Shops. You heard it here first. This is honestly pretty awesome, and people should do this more often. Like they talk about in this article that uh, Best Pro Shop or any place like that, like the Waffle House album was great. Anything that's a a music slash fast food place slash chain department store that's right in our wheelhouse. And I think they talk about the Billy Ray Cyrus Old Country Buffet album in here. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. That's the first thing that came to mind because I love that he put that out. So I looked that story up from 10 years ago, actually. Uh, The Billy Ray Cyrus one came out at Ryan's Country Buffet, Hometown Buffet, and Old Country Buffet. Oh, and Fire Mountain, whatever that is, for a special $8.99 price. But the thing is, at least the Billy Ray Cyrus one, he put it out there in order to benefit like YMCA. Um, Whereas Garth Brooks just did this for the sake of a corporate sponsorship. Yeah. I wonder who Garth Brooks' target audience is at this point. Like 65-year-old women? Because he is sort of known as a lib now. He's almost a centrist. That's sort of the political version of being a crossover pop country artist. And uh, I know a lot of them didn't like him because of maybe something he said about the vaccine or Trump. I forget what it was exactly, but I know he's lost a lot of credibility compared to Jason Aldean or uh, Kenny Chesney, or those guys who were a little less, uh, a little less mom oriented, I guess I would say. And moms yeah, don't I, shop at Bass Pro Shops. Dads shop. That's at Bass a good Pro point. Shops. Yeah, I, maybe the dads who know that the mom wants the CD because it is like my mom is a perfect example of when I was growing up. My mom listened to Garth Brooks, and she's someone who is like you know generally liberal and was born in Texas but moved to Illinois. And I'm like, okay, that's the Garth Brooks audience is my mom, you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you can really replicate that again, like that mainstreaming of country music in the 90s where it wasn't yeah. really political yet. And yeah, it was like so Shania crossed Twain over into pop. You know? yeah. I don't, it, it seems more political now, maybe more overtly. I mean, maybe like Luke Combs or something is kind of that, but I don't know. Yeah, that's the closest thing. The gimmick of his new album is kind of, I mean, actually, it's not a bad idea. Uh, it's called Time Traveler because it contains something from every era of country music. That's actually not not the worst idea I've heard for an album. I'm sure it's not good. Yeah, I wonder what it's going to be. We're going to have to go to Bass Pro Shop to find out. Yeah, I want to go to Bass Pro Shops now and get this album. Only going there to buy music. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I buy all my CDs in 2023. CDs and the candy at the register. That's about it. Yeah. Stereo Gum pointed out, uh, this is not the first time that Brooks has included a new album in a box set exclusive to a specific retailer. 2016's Gunslinger was originally released as part of the Ultimate Collection, which was initially only available at Target. Um, and then what he did that time was he just made it available everywhere a couple weeks later. But now his spokesperson for this album is saying, no, it's not going to be available anywhere else. But it's like, can you really believe him with that? Come on. Well, I guess you're assuming that people aren't going to go to Bass Pro Shops and Target. Like maybe the dad goes to Bass Pro Shops, the mom goes to Target, they both buy it, and then they can't return it. 
Yeah, trick them into getting two copies. You're counting on people not going to the same store. Or maybe it it would be like saying something's a console exclusive for Xbox and PS4 and just hoping yeah. people don't <laughs> notice that both of them are at the store. Or the music is so bad that he only wants people at Bass Pro Shop to buy it because it'd be too embarrassing to get the Target demo involved. Yeah, that's usually what happens when something has such a niche release like this. Someone this big. It's usually because it isn't that good. Yeah, the next, like, you know, 20 years from now, it's going to be like The Shins putting out an album at Bass Pro Shop. Yeah, all the dad bands. Yeah. Like five years, it's going to be Wilco. Vampire Weekend, yeah. Uh, Also, the album cover for this album is so outrageously airbrushed. It almost looks like a good AI image. Oh, I don't even see that. I just see the cover of the box set. Um, If you scroll down, it's like he tweeted it out. Time Traveler. Oh, yeah, that's weird. He almost looks like Voldemort. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a high school yearbook photo if you have too much acne and they just do a really bad like airbrushing job. Yeah, he kind of looks like he died in a car accident on prom night. (laughs) He got a whole page in the yearbook. Yeah, totally. It is like a very pensive, like he's staring into the distance at nothing wearing a cowboy hat that matches his shirt. It's a two page thing where one side is Chris Gaines and one side is Garth Brooks. Yeah, Chris Gaines is uh, conspicuously absent in this box set. Yeah, how can you leave him out? It's like when the Red Hot Chili Peppers were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame without Dave Navarro. Like, they kind of (laughs) disavowed that whole era, the One Hot Minute era where Dave Navarro was on it. And I'm not really sure why. It was okay. I'm not a huge fan of them. Yeah, I think their fans in particular just don't care about that. Like, what's the one? Music is my airplane or whatever. That's like the only song from that album that they like. Yeah, that was the single. Really integrate into like their discography. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess it was sandwiched between Red Hot, uh, what's it? Blood Sugar Sex Magic and uh, Californication. Which were their two two biggest hits ever. Yeah, yeah, their biggest albums ever. So yeah, it makes sense why that's forgotten, but it's it's not bad. Have we ever talked about noticeably worse than the other albums, I don't think. Like when we've had Joel on here, have we ever talked about how me and Joel both think By The Way is a good album by Red Hot Chili Peppers? I don't think I've ever listened to it as an album. It's by far their best album, and it's because of the songs that aren't the singles mostly. Like Dost, if anyone wants to give the Red Hot Chili Peppers an actual chance, Dost is like a great song. Um, Really? I'm trying to think of what else, but there's a handful of genuinely really good songs. It's the one where uh, John Frusciante had the most say over the whole product, you know? And it shows. Interesting. Yeah. Hopefully that's a, that's this isn't my... a trick. If you trick me no, into no. listening to the whole thing, as uh, at least it's not Stadium Arcadium. If I listened to all of Stadium oh, yeah. Arcadium and it sucked, I would be so that mad. That shit is so bloated. Why would shit? they make yeah. a double album? That was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have the material. By the way, it's too long also, but I'm just saying it has some genuinely good songs on it. That's my, as willing, as far as I'm willing to go with the Red Hot Chili Peppers take. That was the twilight of the CD, that era. Yeah. When they were maxing everything out to the digital maximum with brick wall limiting, the loudness war, the DRM on the CDs, you would put it in the CD player and it would install a Sony root kit on your computer automatically that kept you from trying to rip it. That that was peak CD. Malware on purpose. And every album had to be maximum 80 minutes. You could yep. not have a free second on that CD, even if it was garbage. It's like we talked about a week or two ago, though, that uh, Drake is trying to surpass even that by putting out these albums that wouldn't even fit on a CD. Like Drake's newest album is a double album. Like it's more egregious than 
uh, Stadium Arcadium, you know? Yeah, it's almost like a playlist of ambient music. It's kind of meant yeah. to blend together and you're not supposed to listen to it too closely. I assume that's what it's meant to be because I can't imagine someone listening to a Drake album track by track by track that's like 27 tracks. Yeah. It's an hour and 45 minutes and then having like a ranking of all the tracks. Also, like Drake's good albums were like 13 songs, right? Like this is like a newer development for him. Yeah, and this is a new thing. It's not like he's uh, guided by voices. Yeah. You know, it's like everyone knows that Netflix makes shows... Uh, with people looking at their phones in mind and Drake's like the main musician doing that of like, well, if you're on Instagram for 45 minutes while you listen to this album, it'll just kind of like wash over you. Yeah. It sounds fine. It's kind of like the Travis Scott album too, where yeah. it sounds fine. It's so, it sounds well produced. There are a few moments where you're like, eh, okay, but mostly it just kind of washes Scott over one you. Over that the one's Drake definitely one. better. Yeah. But even the Drake one, like we were saying when we listened to it, it's like some of those tracks are good. It's just like, I have no motivation to listen to that, you know? Yeah, you just hear a little a little peek into a soul sample that sounds good, and then it goes away, and yeah. it's like, I'll then just go listen to something for good. no reason. And yeah. Yeah. It's like you're making a chore for people to do of, here's like 100 minutes of music. Find like the good 20 minutes that I put the effort into. It seems like there's probably a correlation between the album length and how cold reviewers are to him. Because they weren't yeah, very nice that. to this one, and it might be his longest album. Yeah. There are other reasons, obviously, but uh, I feel like that's true. Yeah, I don't think he tries as hard as he used to as the main reason. It's like but... he's trying to punish the reviewers by making them get through all of it, find things to say about it, and then they're punishing yeah. him by giving it a bad review, and it's a, it's a negative cycle. Just hate all around. Actually, speaking of Drake, while we're on the subject, another good uh, stereo gum piece here. Violent J questions whether Drake is a true juggalo. Drake posted like some kind of Instagram selfie. He has enough text to teenage like a... girls that he's always going to be a real juggalo. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's what the main thing he's got in common. But he's got this picture where he's got like this like hockey sweater type of juggalo merch and like some baggy like 90s jeans. And I think you got to side with um, Violent J in this one. Because he was doing a radio, in, or like, I guess it's a radio interview, maybe a podcast, but uh, the host brought up the fact that like, oh, is that cool that like Drake's rocking ICP merch? Like, that's probably cool, right? And he was like, uh, first of all, I don't give a fuck what anybody said. I don't believe Drake wore that having ever even heard my music. I think he wore that as a fashion thing because it's what's happening. Over time, you know, we're old school. I seen in a fashion magazine an ICP shirt for $500. It was like fashion. It was the design of the shirt. Drake has a Ringmaster jersey, which is our second album, the second Joker's card. What the fuck is Drake doing wearing that? It's like, well, when you're right, you're right. Yeah. Is this the first time a white guy has been able to do that to a black guy? <laughs> That's probably true. Saying this rapper, he's not down Stealing with the rap real valor. Shit. Yeah. That's a good point. Drake would be the first black guy to steal rap valor from a white guy. I didn't even remember him doing this. It seems like it's not cool. Like Violent J obviously has a very different opinion of how cool and fashionable that stuff is than <laughs> yeah, uh, most people. Like it's uh, the Juggalo Renaissance is, I, I think, pretty niche. Yeah, it's because they're so leftist. That was about it. Yeah, it's, it's limited to like people who read Vice News. Yeah. And uh, it's not really considered cool with most people. Uh, but yeah, I don't think there's any meaningful revival of ice. Like, I don't know what Drake gets out of that. 
I think Violent J is right to question whether Drake even barely realizes it's ICP. You know, like the Hatchet Man logo is on the arm, so he probably is aware. But it's like just barely. It's like when you mention how Kendrick Lamar wore a Mod Sun shirt. It's like, I'm not sure how much Kendrick cared about Mod Sun when he wore that. Yeah. Also, when you're famous, people just give you shit. Yeah. True. Especially a guy like Mod Sun who's in the industry. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he was just handing out his T-shirts to everybody. Yeah, but I, I'm right, looking at this now. Drake was texting a 16-year-old who gave him this. It's the hockey jersey, and it's got the uh, the dark clown on it. I think it's um. It could have been the Spirit Halloween hockey jersey. <laughs> yeah, but except for the uh, Hatchet Man on the sleeve. Yeah, it's like basically the same as that. It's it's Is not even Malenko? clear. I it, it's probably Malenko? Malenko. I don't know too much about know. the uh, the clown lore, but the only time I read about it was for Pixar sodas. I just learned all the slang to put it in the dialogue. <laughs> It is so weird that you get all these headlines when you wear a shirt like that, even as a joke. Yeah, exactly. Like all the dumb shit that it's I've worn. Too famous. Like the MAGA hat and like the diamond and silk shirt and all this dumb yeah. shit. I got the Barney sweater. Yeah, the Barney hat, my Barney flat brim. <laughs> I don't know why that exists. I don't know why I was able to buy the Barney the Barney flat brim. Yeah, you get photographed at the grocery store like wearing all that shit and it's in the tabloids everywhere it's on stereo gum. <laughs> Adult man loves Barney. Look at this. <laughs> Dude, I'm watching the Larry Sanders show right now. Have you ever watched that? Uh, I think I watched part of the first season. Dude, it's so good. I'm on like the third one now. And it, by season three, it's funny how often they mention Barney, where they just use it in like, what, what is this, a fucking Barney concert? You know, like when, oh, it's because uh, it's the episode where everyone's trying to get Elvis Costello to sign their merch. And Janine Garofalo is like, is this a fucking Barney concert? That must have been 94. <laughs> Yeah, it was just like exactly at the one peak of Barney, you know? They had to get in some jabs at him. So another thing in the news, Jay-Z finally said that you should take the $500,000 and not dinner with him. I can't, I'm not sure if I agree. This is like crazy. I was just claiming as recently as a week ago that Jay-Z has no idea what that hypothetical is. And now that he knows and he's answered, I, I, I'm not really sure what to think. Yeah, I think he doesn't want to have dinner with people. Yeah, <laughs> that sort of goes unacknowledged in this this interview with Gail King. That if he yeah, had to have dinner with all these people, that would be all of his time. He wouldn't be able to spend time with Beyonce and uh, Blue Ivy yeah. and all his friends. He would have to have dinner with stupid people on Twitter who have drop shipping websites. <laughs> um, but here's the thing: if maybe he claims that it's not worth it with him for the five hundred thousand, but if it was him and Beyonce and Blue Ivy. Like Beyonce easily is worth as much as Jay Z in terms of the knowledge, and Blue Ivy's probably worth something. She's got to know something I don't know. You yeah, know? she's probably overheard some good business advice. I'm sure. Yeah, I'd be grilling Blue Ivy at that dinner because most people, when they like, if I was starting a drop shipping business and I got Jay Z at the table, most people are going to grill him. They're not even going to think to ask Blue Ivy, and that's where you're going to get like this knowledge that's just completely untapped. So he says, "You got to take the money." Uh, you got all that in the music for ten ninety nine. That's a bad deal. I wouldn't tell you to cut a bad deal. Take the five hundred thousand, go buy some albums, and listen to the albums. It's all there. So that's interesting. He says all the advice you would need to get rich is in the albums. You go listen to the blueprint, and you will become rich. Which seems like it would be inherently false because most of his fans have not become rich. <laughs> that's true. Maybe none of the fans actually paid attention until now. Yeah, I guess that's what you can say. That's usually what MLM type people say when the uh, the method doesn't work or people who sell some sort of a miracle business method. You say, yeah, well, you obviously didn't close. follow the rules. 
you didn't do it right. You didn't read it I was enough. Gonna you didn't joke, do enough uh, of so-and-so. I was going to joke that you'll learn the most from Magna Carta Holy Grail because it's one of the ones he made when he was already rich. But I mean, it's right there in the title, right? You just got to make a Magna Carta or a Holy Grail. It has Latin in it. you get rich. I mean, yeah. It's Man, a that, smart, what a sophisticated stupid album. album. What a stupid <laughs> album. So oh, funny. God. Like when they made Watch the Throne, it was like, oh, there's a lot of good songs on here. And the cover was all gold. Like it was already like opulent enough. And then it's like, what if I make an album with none of the good songs and it's even more like opulent, but in a stupid guy way, like even more of a stupid guy way. <laughs> yeah, it's so dumb. Like he is a, a very high culture guy. Like he's still dressing like Basquiat. That's still going yeah. on. But then at the same time, he says shit like that. That's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> Also, in that quote you read, when he said, you got all that in the music for $10.99, I'm like, that's a very specific price point. And without looking this up, it occurred to me that that has to be how much a monthly subscription for Tidal costs, right? Since he's a co Oh, yeah, it is $10.99. That has yeah. to be it, yeah. So oh, I was like, what the fuck God. is ten ninety nine? Is that a CD? It's like, no, he's obviously plugging his own business. Also, it's also implying that you should sell crack. <laughs> that's true i don't know if he means that or one. not but it, he does he does talk about how he came up and that's why if if the blueprint's not working for you it's because you didn't sell crack first and then have a come up yeah you i don't know maybe it works work in the trenches for years selling crack that might be the problem people aren't out there they're not living it builds character i was looking on know I your think... meme too, the dinner with jay-z or 500k article and uh, i guess this came out in 2017. That's when this uh, this hypothetical came out. 2018, it kind of blew up. And I was looking at the chart at the bottom here where it says the how often people were Googling it. And it pops up uh, 2021. I think that was about the peak of it on Twitter. But there's yeah. one huge spike. The biggest spike is January, uh, January something, Jan- or March 2004. It goes all what? the way to 100 for the search dinner with Jay-Z. So was it I'm like not a sure. contest in 2004 or something? Yeah, was there an actual dinner with Jay-Z thing? April 2004. Yeah, it's like multiple times as big as the peaks now. So I wonder if that's just a, a glitch in the system or if there was actually some dinner with Jay-Z thing. Obviously, you can't Google it now. Yeah, I was just saying that I'm trying to Google it and it's really hard to do on... If there was an <laughs> actual contest... Uh, you would never yeah. be able to find it. And he would probably yeah, scrub I, it too. I don't know how to possibly try to find that right now. They should do this to every celebrity. There should be a meme about Lil Wayne. There should be a meme about Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. In that context, it becomes about what's the proper dollar amount where it's no longer worth having the dinner. <laughs> like if it was $10 or dinner with Jay-Z, then it's like, obviously I'm taking the dinner. I don't need the $10. Yeah. The food is worth more than the $10. Yeah. That's a no brainer. But then, okay. 500, a thousand, 2000. It's really like name your price, you know? Yeah. Try to think what, what would I give up for that? I think if it was 10,000, I would take the 10,000 at a certain point. Yeah. You are kind of gaining something just by going to the dinner, even by being able to post about it, being able to take a selfie with the celebrity like that's something that gets you something being able to maybe write a story about it like you do an article in a in a paper my time with jay-z and you make a video and you put it on youtube there are a lot of things you could get out of that i think so it would have to be a good amount of money like it would be the greatest story of all time having dinner with jay-z five hundred thousand dollars i would still take the five hundred thousand dollars but if it was five thousand dollars i would take the dinner 
Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. I don't know what the exact dollar amount is, but I agree with that idea because it's like I'm not even a big Jay Z fan, but I would absolutely have dinner with him, and it would probably be genuinely really fun. Yeah, it would be a story you could tell forever, and it would be at a very nice restaurant. And he's like affable enough too, where it's like. It's funny because, like, as an artist, I like Kendrick Lamar more. And as a person, I probably have more in common with him and more to talk about. But he's so, like, uh, I don't know, like, asocial and, like, difficult to talk to and stuff that I don't think having dinner with him would be fun. But I think dinner with Jay-Z would be genuinely fun, you know? Yeah, he's not really a tortured artist. He's always been kind of an affable businessman type. Yeah. And I'm not stupid enough to ask him about my dropshipping business, so we would just have fun and talk about shit, and we would just like take shots or whatever, you know? Yeah, he doesn't know shit about business at that level. <laughs> like he, he knows about like business deals with title. He can tell you about that. Yeah. He can sell you tell you about selling crack in 1994 and signing record deals <laughs> in 1997. But a yeah, lot of that stuff point. isn't relevant. It's like when your it's parents, yeah. your parents or your grandparents tell you to go up to a, a place that's hiring and just hand them your resume. And then the person at the counter is like, "Uh, you got to apply online. What are you doing? Why are you handing me trash? Jay-Z is like, all you need to do is go into Universal Music Group and start rapping for them. Find A&R, just rap at him. You want to plant yourself right between the the twin towers. You want to have Nas Illmatic playing. And then that's how you sell the crack. I actually was listening to uh, Reasonable Doubt before we started recording because I was reading this article. And the song Dead Presidents 2 is so good, dude. I love that song. With the Nas sample. Like, it's so funny that he sampled Nas before their like beef kicked up. Yeah, you know? why'd they have a beef? I, I'm too young to remember, but if I like that's like such like a Gen X guy thing to remember. Yeah, it seems so weird because it's not like they were at their peaks at the same time. Yeah, like Nas was more established than Jay. That's what's that's what's funny about it is them having that sample on the first Jay-Z album means that like the beef hadn't really started yet, you know? And yeah, sure, this like, is like Nas such a well-known thing. That sort of a spent force it, by by 2002 or whenever that happened. I guess they, I mean this one's it was early, all in this songs. is still 1996 right here. The song, I mean, but I guess you're right that that beef was continuing into the 2000s for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was the rap version of Rosie O'Donnell versus Donald Trump. Yeah, <laughs> I think Donald Trump would be Jay Z. <laughs> would you have done uh, dinner with Donald Trump or Jay Z? Hmm, I guess that's tough. In terms of having a good time, it would obviously be Jay-Z. I don't know. You can't, I don't know what you could get out of Trump because obviously you can't get anything like genuinely like newsworthy out of him and it would be more of a spectacle and everyone would judge you and everyone we know would like be, or our personal friends would think it's funny, but then everyone in our corner of like Twitter and stuff would hate us after that and yell at us. Yeah. People would get mad and they would bring it up anytime you do something like the picture yeah. of you with Donald Trump smiling. It would be a reply gift that just owns you every time. Yeah. Yeah, it would have to be really funny. It would have to be something good. And also the food would be worse with Trump because oh, he doesn't know worse, what good yeah. food is. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, it's ultimately worth it to have dinner with Jay-Z yet again in that situation. I guess I never realized how much I actually want to unironically have dinner with Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, w- it wouldn't. It would be fine. I'm sure he would pick a great place. It would be... Yeah. I mean, I he would have to study up on his most, albums. Like most people on his level, he's more normal than them. And you're like, you're saying good taste in food. He's normal, easy to talk to. He'd be fun and funny. Like it's pretty, a pretty good pick. How much? Okay. Let's choose some. How about Fergie? What would be the dollar amount where it'd be worth taking the dinner with Fergie instead of the cash? Like, even if it's like a thousand bucks, I'm taking that over the dinner. You know what I mean? 
How much would mm. it have to be? It depends how, how far have I have to, to go. go. If it's all paid, like if there's a limo that True. picks me up and takes me to the dinner, it's all paid. Then I would, hmm, I would take it over probably about a thousand, I guess, for Fergie. Yeah, somewhere around there. Because it would be funny well, if to I have do, to pay but anything, it wouldn't be that funny. No. Like if it was five hundred, uh, if I gave up the five hundred bucks, but then I had to pay five hundred bucks to fly out there, I'm not doing that. Fuck that. How about Will I Am? <laughs> he'd be funnier so he'd be the opposite like jay-z i think there's actually interesting stuff you could talk to him about and he's like conversant in enough stuff will i am it'd only be fun to talk to him about all his shitty products he's endorsed over the years like as like a spectacle so it's just a different thing i would want to ride in his car i would want to do a comedians in cars getting coffee type thing oh because yeah. he's got his weird delorean with the the doors that fold up and it looks like a spaceship yeah. i would want to try all his stupid headphones I would want like a tour of all his businesses. Yeah, I think that's fair. I would want him to take me to the CNN offices and beam me in as a hologram in 2008. Apple D app. I think I would take a thousand over dinner with him. Oh, easily. Not even a question. And the other guy, forget his name. Yeah, there's only so many artists where it's worth giving up a thousand dollars to have dinner with them. (laughs) What about dead people though? Like what if you could have dinner with Jimi Hendrix and he comes back, but only for one dinner? Well, yeah, the premium's much higher on that because, it, like, we're talking about, like, when it comes to like content and being shameless about it on the internet. If you're the only person who ever has a TikTok with Jimi Hendrix, it's worth uh, you, the clout on that is like infinite, you know? Yeah, like Rick Beato having viral videos where he has dinner with all these dead people. My dinner yeah. with Jim Morrison. <laughs> yeah. It's five hundred thousand views. You may not get the five hundred thousand dollars, but it's five hundred thousand views. Yeah. Can you really put a price on views? I think also if this CBS uh, interview was had more uh, like tact or, you know, if they're just a better journalist, they would have asked him other questions of who he would pay $500,000 or like who would he rather have dinner with than get $500,000, you know? Yeah. Who could he get advice from? Maybe Quincy Jones? Yeah, Smokey but he Robinson. could probably just call him up. The problem is that he can call all those guys up for free on the phone. Yeah, they would just talk to him because he kind of has more clout than they do at this point. See, I at don't least, think Jay-Z, uh, to the public. Uh, I don't think Jay-Z's dumb enough to take the bait on. I was going to say there's some rappers who are dumb enough to be like the Dalai Lama or something. Like, damn, that'd be crazy. Like DJ Khaled would like lose his mind about meeting the Dalai Lama. But they gave I don't him think the Dalai Lama's guitar. For that. Yeah. <laughs> Some weird Tibetan instrument, they give it to him and he starts slamming on it and breaks it. Yep. That would be a good place for him because it's so far inland. He shouldn't be around water. (laughs) true. He can't get lost in the sea again. DJ Khaled was not meant to be around water. No. But he feels that he is. That's why he lives in Miami. He thinks that like he needs beachfront property and all this, but it's only going to do him in. Yeah. Miami is a, it's a trap. It's going to sink. People think it's it's cool, but it's going to sink. Guess who, in terms of entertainers who like going to Miami, it is like DJ Khaled, Drake, et cetera. Like, Jay-Z, you're not going to catch him like living in Miami. Come on. Where does he live? I think New York still. I'm pretty sure. Maybe he has like multiple homes, but. Probably has a house in Paris. I wish he would move in next to me. Then it'd be easy to have dinner with him. Yeah, that would be awesome. It would be awesome if Jay-Z was your roommate. You could have dinner with him every day. <laughs> Imagine how many things would have to go wrong in Jay-Z's life for him to be my roommate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) 
He just bets, he's like he bets up. his entire wealth. He turns the slider all the way up on a horse race. But he also has to alienate all his friends who are much richer than me. Yeah, he gets in a beef with every rapper at the same time. And also every yeah. label head. Clive Davis, fuck you. He says something Even anti-Semitic to Clive Davis. He would, yeah, he would have yeah. to say Kanye shit. Yeah, it ha- but it'd have to be worse. It'd have to be like, he'd have to do like a thousand different things to ruin his life before he needs to be my roommate. Yeah. And I hope he does, you know? Yeah. If he started from the bottom again, that would kind of prove that his methods work, that it wasn't a fluke. Yeah. Then it would be worth taking the dinner with him, you know? And, yeah, uh, if he could do that. It'll be like the Simpsons um, with Homer's half-brother, you know? Where Homer ruins him, and then he makes that device to talk to babies or whatever, and makes his fortune again. Oh, yeah. Jay-Z kind of is like that guy. <laughs> Herbert. Herbert Powell. Yeah. Yeah, he he shouldn't let Homer make that car. I think about that every time I see an Elon Musk car. Oh yeah, like I think a lot of people do now. The Cybertruck especially is just so fucking stupid. Man. So many examples of that lately, like the folly of saying, "Why don't we let some normal guy design it? What if we just let some regular dope off the street uh, decide what we're yeah. gonna do?" <laughs> some guy who's not trained and he doesn't have any expertise, but he just has a he has a, a good idea that sounds simple, and we should try it. I mean, conservatives especially are just hostile to expertise at this point. Yeah, it's because nerds know it. That's true. If cool guys knew expertise, it would be awesome. I think that patriots should have expertise. On guns, maybe. Yeah. Guns and gun-flavored coffee. The word patriotism means it's synonymous with gun owner. Well, speaking of like rich guys here, I think we should little quick hit here also the goldman sachs ceo who we've talked about in the past oh yeah his dj career he's unfortunately ending his dj career which okay the cnn article the headline is goldman sachs ceo stops doing controversial dj gigs i think that's giving him way too much credit to call it controversial because it's super lame yeah i think people just said it was stupid or they kind of laughed at him yeah. Not really controversial. Like maybe there was someone who said we should boycott it. Like this is evil. But I, I don't know. So we can get into the article and see why they think that. But oh, I see. I it's forget, because uh, he opened for the chain smokers in July 2020 and it yeah. violated social distancing, according to Andrew Cuomo. Maybe he should have been looking at the damn nursing home. Yeah. <laughs> if this 61 year old guy didn't die, how could, how bad could it have been? He, um, but like that didn't even stop him though, because he played Lollapalooza last year, so he got way bigger gigs after the COVID show. Yeah, but it was very funny. I was like googling this to find the article, and he's probably the only like quote unquote musician in the world where when you Google this, the top websites that come up are CNN, Forbes, Business Insider, Fortune, Fox Business. <laughs> like, if only other artists could break through to that site, that like news cycle, you know, like if any indie artist today could get in Forbes and business insider and fortune, like that's just a track that no one else is on. It's totally unclaimed by anyone, but this D this CEO and he's quitting. So you could be the only artist in these publications. If you like ingratiate yourself to those people, would you have dinner with David Solomon? Yes, I think I would. He would have better business advice than Jay Z. I think <laughs> than Jay Z. That's true. But I don't the know how applicable I don't have any it would money be. to invest. Yeah, if you had another investment in. bank, maybe he would have some good advice. But uh, yeah. or maybe some insider trading tips. But I don't know. 
Solomon's unorthodox think... hobby likely caused some head scratching from board members who wondered why he couldn't just take up golf, but it's not the main reason the Goldman chief has found himself in hot water lately. The bank executive who is celebrating five years at the top is reportedly being accused by former and current co-workers of poor leadership and his ability to effectively run the company is also reportedly being questioned by former chessman, uh, chairman and CEO Lloyd Blankfein. Solomon's reported potty mouth, lack of collaboration with other executives, emphasis on returning to the office, and the recent failure of Marcus, Goldman Sachs' consumer online banking product, have led uh -huh. colleagues to openly question his future at the company. That's pretty funny. And that's what the story is really about, is that he's pretending he needs something to use as a sacrificial lamb to pretend like he's focusing on the business and turning it around. And it's like, yeah, it was these DJ gigs that's distracting me. Now I'm going to focus like it's so transparent and superficial. Yeah, it's like Lent. It's yeah. uh, it, it's him doing Lent. Like, I'm going to give up. Yeah, DJ. I'm going to give up DJ. It's like when a kid does uh, they do a fake thing for Lent. They give up something that they don't actually like that they weren't going to do yeah. anyway. It's like him doing of that. Course. Like these shows that I did once a year that I didn't actually want to do. I'm going to give that up. That's why I was so busy. From also, the, the 16 hours wildly, a week and not that I'm like bad at my job. Yeah. Yeah. And he wildly overperformed by getting to play Lollapalooza. Like there's no reason they should have allowed him to do that. And he can't reach anything higher than that. So like it's a good way to go out, you know? This is probably the last time this kind of thing will happen because it's going to be so normal. Like every CEO is going to want to be a DJ or a yeah, YouTuber 100%. or a TikToker. Like it's especially already kind of starting to happen. Buy, yeah, you can just buy clicks and buy influence. So, you know, especially actually, there's an, I didn't even intend to get to this story, but like Spotify is renegotiating how you get paid and they're trying to screw over all the smallest artists, of course. Where like everything is more and more going in that direction of if you're just the CEO of a huge investment bank. You can do whatever you want and get more attention than anyone who actually cares about their music, for sure. Yeah. It's only going to get worse. It seems like that's a dying breed. The CEO who's the the starched suit guy who always shows yeah, up to work up. and he's, he's normal and he doesn't do any weird stuff. It would be nice mm -hmm. if there was a backlash to that, but it seems like with Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg and all these guys, yeah. that's just the norm now that it's guys with uh, severe personality disorders who use it to just get out their weird uh, petty grudges and their epic attempts to go viral and the board has to just put up with it. Like all oh, the yeah. CEO, two different company CEOs are threatening to have a boxing match. That's awesome. We're trying to get the advertisers back and they're threatening a boxing match. So epic though. But that's yeah. going to be all of them. Like the last guys are dying out now who don't have some dream of being viral. Yeah, totally. It is, I mean, I've said this before, but it just blows my mind how Elon Musk is so Reddit. Why didn't he just buy Reddit? He'd be so much happier. Yeah. Well, it's because they didn't really turn on him yet. They kind of did when he bought Twitter, but they don't I have, it, it doesn't have the sort of cultural clout that Twitter does. Like Twitter is where yeah. the journalists were. That's where right all the, he was the grinding people that axe. didn't like him. Like, yeah. In the same way that Donald Trump ran for president after he had an extra grind with Obama. Uh, it's the same thing of he has to get back at his haters. He doesn't care about the people who like him. They can all just go fuck themselves. But the people who don't like them is who he fixates on, you know? Yeah. And he did get rid of those people. It cost him yeah. $44 billion in years yeah, of his life. It and it's probably always going to follow him. But he did get happy. gawker journalists uh, off Twitter. And now yeah. they're on Blue Sky posting the same stuff. And I guess it did uh, make some people upset. But I don't know how much Hopefully value that has it. to anybody. Yeah, that was a story this week, too, that like uh, 
all the banks that were his creditors are super underwater on that. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. At some point, you have now to look at the actual the balance debt. sheet. Yep. You feel like you're going insane seeing it. Someone taking a, a Fortune 500 company and just being epic yep. and ha- using troll logic, treating it like it's a some sort of uh, performance art with ac- other people's money and investors' money. Like At some point, the other shoe has to drop. Yeah, it's just like NFTs where we watch that and we're like, this shit is garbage. And then eventually it all just tanked. And same thing with Twitter, which is sad because I actually like Twitter. You know, it just sucks that he's ruining it. Just one guy can ruin it for millions of people. But I think you would definitely have to pay me. I don't even think I hate Elon Musk so much that I don't think I would have dinner with him for any price. Like maybe there'd have to be some other gimmick to make it bearable. Like I could I would not talk to him for like an hour, you know? I would sell the dinner ticket to someone who's terminally ill, I think. Yeah, there we someone go. Someone who's mentally unstable and terminally ill. I would give them my spot at the Elon Musk dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he would pick a, a horrible spot. It would be some place in San Francisco where they give you like a leaf of lettuce and then a piece of tofu and then some nootropics on the side. Yeah, there we go. That's what he's really interested in. And then uh, he would just be telling you about like uh, the different types of uh, Wojak faces. Yeah. (laughs) Like quoting his own tweets at you, like things that he thought were really funny that no one remembers. Yeah. Showing you other people's tweets off his phone and putting his hand over it so you can't see that it wasn't someone else and saying, this was me. Yeah. I posted this. (laughs) Do you see this? It's very good. Why do they call it jet skis instead of motorcycles? Yeah, exactly. Isn't that very funny? Yeah, that is that is directly in his wheelhouse. Yeah, I'd probably pay $500 to not have done dinner with Elon Musk. That would get yeah. me oh, into the territory where I, I, would, I would start, uh, I wouldn't give a lot of money. Like, I wouldn't pay over $1,000 to not do that. Even $500 is a lot. I don't think I could lose $500 to and not And we're still assuming that, like, he's flying you out slash coming to where you are. Uh, yeah. The dinner's paid for, transportation's paid for. Um, yeah. I, I would pay, like, $100 not to have to do it. I guess, like, the optimistic thing is, like, I could hang out with people out there. Like, my brother lives around there. There's a few people I could hang out with, like... It is also you know, a story, like a too. It's a to get through it. You do get clout well, from true. it either way. If you turned it down, if you but publicly like turned it down... it's like the Trump thing where it'd be, it'd be too embarrassing to have a picture with him. So, you're right. I guess you could get clout off of turning it down more than you could off of going, I think. Yeah. But the That's only people that would want to have dinner figure, with him, like, I don't think he would want to have dinner with. It would be like Lex Friedman. Yeah, yeah. He would want to get some journalist and like humiliate them. Cat Turd. Although at this point, yeah, he doesn't want to see Cat Turd. I don't think Cat Turd wants to see him either. Cat Turd is so Ian bummed Miles out Chong, now with maybe. all the, uh, the Speaker of the House shit. It's funny seeing those people demoralized when the yeah. Republicans <laughs> are fighting each other. And like, I don't know what's going to happen with Trump. I don't know if... Is he going to be the nominee? Is he going to be alive? Seems like they want to get him out, but it also seems like there's no one else that can compete with him. Oh, yeah, not even close. And there's just sort of this uh, this tension inherent to the Republican Party right now where they know that the mainstream wants to get Trump out, that they're like, oh, we've got to get him out. But there's no way He's for them so to entrenched. get him out. Yeah. It's just this tension. And, and you can't get rid of the whole Republican Party for like theoretically not supporting Trump. Yeah. Because you kind of need I them. I think uh, the problem with the Republican primary is that everyone else in that primary would take dinner with Trump over 500K. That's their problem. Oh, yeah. And Trump wouldn't. 
Exactly. Trump he doesn't, doesn't want to see any of these motherfuckers, and they would be so happy to turn down the 500K. Like Trump that's would, why he's the obvious choice for Republicans. If you're a Republican voter, you're like, oh, yeah, that's obviously the dynamic, you know? All these guys are such, like, sniveling little wieners. And so is he, but he at least has a sense of humor about it. If you had dinner with Trump, he would skip out on the bill. Oh, yeah. You would probably have to pay it. Or it would be a yeah, Mar-a-Lago. He's used to someone else, like, paying it for him, you know what I mean? Like, he's just got enough help. That's true. It actually 100% would be at Mar-a-Lago. Another fun thing you could do would be to order a bunch of stuff like it's your last meal in prison. Or you're like that woman who, uh, <laughs> that viral tweet about the woman who said, or like the boyfriend walked out of the restaurant because she ordered 60 oysters. Like he took her out <laughs> for drinks and she ordered 60 oysters. It would be fun to do that to Jay-Z or Elon Musk or whoever you have dinner with. Order the most expensive wine, the most expensive everything. A, a tray that's so big it doesn't even fit on the table. Every single course. See if you can yeah, get him to yell to Elon at you. For sure. Because he couldn't really tell you it's too expensive. Like you could buy the restaurant outright. Yeah. Just cook everything you have in the kitchen and give me all the alcohol and just bring it all over here. Put all the alcohol in a big tub and then mix yeah. it with Kool-Aid. And dealer's choice on the food. You can just cook all that shit up however you want. Go off menu. Just bring it over here. I want everything well done. Even the vegetables. Well, that would be a good thing to do with Trump because that's what he actually wants, but. Yeah, they're used to that. The kitchen would be like, okay, so normal style. The usual. Yeah. <laughs> so there was something in the Discord that's uh, very strange. It was posted uh, earlier this month. It's called the U-Tukerist. Yeah, that's a good find. <laughs> and apparently it's liberal Anglicans in the 2000s, the mid-2000s. They had this project to recreate the Eucharist in the mass, the Anglican mass, with U-2 songs which is kind of strange because they're Irish Catholic. Um, Anglicanism is mostly Catholic, but still, like, it, I don't know. seems like you could find a less uh, yeah. overtly Irish band. But this is, so my parents are in this, like the Episcopal, it's specifically the Episcopal Church. And that's what my parents are part of. And it is just sort of like a classically like boomer kind of liberal leaning church. You know what I mean? We're like, this actually, the U2 Chris explains their politics, I think, perfectly for what I understand of the Episcopal Church, having been forced to go there as a kid and then staying in the car and not going into the church and stuff like that. My, my basic understanding of it is uh, pretty in line with this whole U2 Chris thing of it's all very well-meaning and all completely pointless. We're like, the U2 Chris was designed in the early 2000s to rally people around the UN's uh, Millennium Development Goals, which is a UN initiative that by the year 2020 or by the year 2015, they wanted to eradicate extreme poverty and hunger, achieve universal primary education, promote gender equality and empower women, reduce child mortality, improve maternal health, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like maybe one or two of these they did. Like I think child mortality was reduced. I think they then. did a little bit, but it was mostly the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, totally. That's, that's where all of point. it is. All yeah. the, the, the reduction in all poverty. these other ones. Uh, these are all well-intentioned things, but none of these fucking things happen. And this ended like eight years ago. But that's what I, that's what I think of like Episcopalians is like broadly liberal, but without any kind of functional, uh, actionable plan for political change. You know what I mean? It's like people like my dad who's just like, oh, if we vote for Biden, you know, it'll be better than nothing. And it's like, I guess, but it doesn't do anything. You have to have some kind of actual exterior movement that's exterior to electoral politics to force people to do things right like 
Yeah, there's just no reason to go to church. Like at a certain oh, point, yeah, exactly. if you're liberal enough, if you're rational enough, it kind of invalidates the whole thing. Yeah. Like, and why do we even have to like come here? That's yeah. what I mean. Is like these people, they're all, they all seem, this woman who invented it seems very sweet. And her intention is to make church fun for Gen X liberals. Yeah. But it's barely church. It's just fucking U2 songs and like trying to t- support these good goals of the UN that they can never bring to fruition. Like it's all so well-intentioned, but it all means nothing. And it's not political because you're not doing anything. Yeah, it's just a concert. It's like a perfect encapsulation of how uh, liberal Christianity just became secular liberalism. Yes, like exactly. unitarianism. That's, that's what I'm trying to illustrate. Yeah, all this yeah. kind of stuff. It it ends up just being like the sign on your lawn that says "In this house, we believe in science" and all that yep. stuff. And it's one of the the less horrible things old white people can be into for sure. Yeah, but it is kind of like it's, why is it even Christian anymore? Why do why is it even Christian? Why do we even need yeah. the Bible? We can do this at home. The only thing they have the wrong idea about is how political change actually happens. Yeah, it's a but very. In terms of like, uh, their goals are nice. They just don't understand how to get there. And they think that singing U2 songs at church is going to motivate people to end poverty. Yeah, it's very uh, it's very cute. It's very naive. Yeah, that's the way to put it. And this woman who invented it honestly seems very sweet of like, she. I was reading her blog from 2008 and she has a post called Guitarist Hint, Jekyll and Hyde Pedal. I've had the opportunity to try out guitar effects pedals that, uh, a guitar effects pedal that provides overdrive, distortion, or both. Visual sounds, Jekyll and Hyde. And she just keeps going on like, oh, you can get all these different sounds out of it and putting like little smiley face emoticons. And it's like, I've had that pedal forever and I like that pedal. And she's right. It's a nice pedal, you know, good for her. But it's just so funny to put that on like your church blog. <laughs> So here's the playlist. The prelude, Stay Far Away So Close. I don't really know that song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. The opening hymn is Pride in the Name of Love, Song of Confession, When Love Comes to Town, Song of Assurance, Ab- Absolution, Mysterious Ways, Song of Intercession, Sunday Bloody Sunday. And these just sound like their album titles. Like, aren't, there, yeah. aren't those the now name of their albums? Songs of, songs of yeah. Assurance? Like, <laughs> You're right. It yeah. seems like at now, least one of those is an actual U2 album now. In the years since then. Yeah, it's funny because this was before they did any of those albums. Yeah. Psalm is 40. Offertory is one. Prayer of Dedication, Yahweh, Acoustic Arrangement. Communion hymn, Hymns, All I Want Is You, Where the Streets Have No Name. Song of Commissioning, Walk On, The Hallelujah Mix, Acoustic Arrangement. Some of these I don't know. Yeah, me neither. I don't know. Uh, I mostly all I only know you. I don't know. Songs. Walk on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like again, like she seems like a totally nice person. If she has another post on the blog explaining her rationale behind them and stuff, and she's talking about elevation of like, oh, you could start with an extended call and response. Uh, listen to the mix of elevation playing as the band takes the stage in the elevation live in Boston or the U two go home DVD. Like she's like, she's obviously passionate about it and it's something she cares about, but like. You just don't seem that interested in church if you think that you too is what's going to save your like congregation. Yeah. Like, are you that committed to being Anglican? Yeah. There must be an Anglican band. Is there an Anglican band? It's kind of hard to find one because like being Irish Catholic is something you're kind of born with. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that uh, even if you haven't gone to church in 50 years, you're still sort of Irish Catholic, but people who are like Anglican, like their parents were Anglican. That's not really an identity in the UK, at least, or like Episcopalian. And like, if your parents were Episcopalian, that doesn't mean anything. 
Yep, I can vouch for that from personal experience. Yeah, it's not like you can say, like, oh, that's why I'm so fucked up, because I was raised Episcopalian. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't mean anything. But uh, there must be some bands who, were, who grew up Episcopalian. Me? Yeah. See, it's Solid. like you're saying, it's just like Unitarianism of just like, it just doesn't mean anything, so it doesn't matter. My parents had a scheme to force me to go to church, because since my parents were divorced, we had to go to my dad's on Saturdays, you know? So my dad would drop us off at church on Sunday morning from his place. So we had to go to my mom's church. But by the time I was literally, I was probably like seven or eight years old when I just refused to go anymore. But I had to be there physically because he would drop me off there. So I would just bring like Nintendo Power Magazine and just read it and like never go into the church. Hell yeah. That's the and real that was religion. How I spent like 10 or not 10 years because I could drive when I was 16. But I probably spent a good eight or nine years doing that every Sunday morning. Then when you got your license, you would drive there and still read Nintendo Power. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I never had to go to church as a kid. We went a couple times yeah. on holidays, but uh, neither of my parents are too religious. Yeah, and for my mom, it's okay. This, okay, this woman is reminiscent of my mom in the sense of the fact that this woman's like posting about her favorite guitar pedals and stuff tells you why she really cares about church is that it's a community and she gets to play music there. Like my mom always played flute at the church and she just knows everyone. It's barely about the religion. It's really just like a Sunday, like social group for her. But me as like a nine or 10 year old, it wasn't that for me. And then when she would force me to go on like the church retreat or whatever, I would just bring my Walkman, like listen to like Weezer and some 41 and not talk to anybody. <laughs> it's one of the few places where you can really do community music and there's a guaranteed mm -hmm. audience and you go there totally. every week. You don't have to really push the envelope. You don't have to worry about people moshing in the pit or anything like that or selling enough tickets or people getting stamped at the door or all that kind of stuff. Uh, you just yeah, go exactly. in and you play some songs on acoustic guitar with open chords and there's a group of people there who are predisposed to like you already and you don't have to go on the road. And it, it's like one of the more enjoyable modes of music, I would imagine. Yeah, exactly. That's like, I mean, this has been remarked upon a million times, but like, the hollowing out of the commons is exactly what makes like an Episcopalian church a popular or like an appealing thing to certain people is that, oh yeah, I can go there and have friends and play music and I don't have to pay money and shit. Like it's something you can do essentially for free. I mean, maybe you donate now and then, but it's like a community that exists outside of capitalism, you know, like, or at least almost outside of capitalism. Like these are the kind of people who could never admit that capitalism is like toxic and shitty. <laughs> And, and, you know, a, a drain upon their own, like, well-being and happiness. But they kind of feel that, like, underneath the surface because of things like this where it's like, oh, I don't have to, like, you know, it's even like a coffee shop. You got to buy a fucking coffee to sit there. They you call know? it consumerism. You can just go to the church and do it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. In uh, like the, Gen the material X world. Yeah, they like ad busters. Yeah, Gen X stuff. hated consumerism, but they love capitalism still. Yeah, that's uh, that's why we have the, the tech industry now. Yeah. I think uh, on the Wikipedia, I guess it's not you two specifically, but Universal Music Group who, I mean, I guess this is nice of them where they allowed churches to do these things with the YouTube music as long as it was a worship service and not advertised as a concert. And as long as the money can only go to nonprofits or NGOs. <laughs> yeah, I guess why not? If something's a hymn, that's like the, the best thing it can be in terms of longevity. I guess that's sort of what Wonderwall and Good Riddance Time of Your Life are. Yeah. They're almost like popular hymns. They're songs that yeah, everybody knows songs, that everyone's sick of. 
it has to be a really dumb song, right? Like I, I like both those songs in varying degrees. They're not bad, but, but they're really dumb, and that's why they got so big. Is they're just the stupidest thing you could ever write. Like if I wrote those songs, I'd be like, this is such trash. It, no one would ever want to listen to this, but everyone wants to listen to it. Yeah, you know? I would be. You would be getting so much money, but I would feel like the need to apologize to people. Yeah, <laughs> like the way Radiohead does with Creep. Like we're sorry. Exactly. We're yeah. sorry. Yeah, we Radiohead's did that. a perfect example. They're smart enough people to realize that. Like, oh man. <laughs> That was a cheap way, but also they needed to make that to get like a six album deal with EMI or whatever. Like, I don't think they regret making it. They're just embarrassed by playing it now. Yeah. Like the Beatles had to make love me do to make Sergeant Peppers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're going to have to make their new AI song to, if they ever make anything else in the future. That's true. Yeah. We don't have too much time to talk about it now, but uh, maybe we'll talk about it when it's actually out. I think cause uh, it comes out November 2nd, but it's the third track that John Lennon had made a demo for at the end of his life. They made like free as a bird and real love on the Beatles anthology. And both of those songs are just kind of underwhelming. Like, yeah. They're um, okay. I like real love more. It doesn't yeah. really sound free like a, a Beatles song though. I listened to free as a bird today, like to revisit it. And those vocals do sound like shit. Like it's obviously a demo, you know? Yeah. They did a lot of stuff to it too. It seems like they stretched it out. They added a lot of extra stuff and it probably degraded the tape. But, yeah, they uh, did their best with like 2000 era technology, but obviously today's technology is way better. I, I assume that this song will sound in like an engineering standpoint, it'll sound way better. But from a songwriting standpoint, it's going to be exactly like those songs where it's like, this is fine, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't really speak too well of it that it, like, why didn't they release it on Anthology 3, you know? I mean, and in Paul McCartney's telling... It's that George Harrison, it's funny that he pins it on George Harrison since he's dead, but he claimed that George Harrison didn't like how it was because they couldn't extract the piano from the vocal because it was one track on his demo. He's like, the piano's too distracting and it sounds bad and it's like not up to snuff, you know? Hmm. But it seems convenient to blame that on George now. Why do they need the original track? Just get rid of that. Just recreate it. That's all they got. They need to have John on there to make it like a big deal, you know? Yeah, I guess you have to have that. I would just recreate the song. Like, yeah. it wouldn't be the first time that John wrote a part and Paul sang it. Yeah. It totally. wasn't out, out of the ordinary. But that's how you know they're doing it for the gimmickry of like all four of us played on this because George Harrison already recorded guitar on it before yeah. he died. Since they tried to do it in the, in the 90s, you know? Like, and then didn't want to put it out. Yeah, I know it is just like shitting on his memory in a way. <laughs> they're like, it's they're like, oh, it's so nice that we have George on this. It's like, well, he didn't want to put it out when he heard it. So yeah, and also John didn't know we were doing this. Yeah, like, he didn't <laughs> know that that was a Beatles song. It also it seems disrespectful yeah. to him because he had no intention of getting the Beatles back together. He didn't want yeah. the Beatles on those records. The more you analyze it, the more dubious it is. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. It's one of those things. Where I feel like when I was 13 or 14, I would have thought it was cool. Yeah. Like when the guy from Led Zeppelin was playing with Dave Grohl. Shit like oh, that. Oh yeah, with uh, uh, Josh Homme from Queens of Stone Age too. They actually had a couple of good songs on that album. Yeah, I, I feel like it just, I was too old for it by the time it happened. All these classic rock crossovers and like Jimmy yeah. Page doing whatever with whoever. And The reason that album is decent is that it's just a Queens of Stone Age album with different backing musicians. It's essentially like Josh Homme songs with, well, Dave Grohl's already been on multiple Queens of Stone Age albums. Yeah, it's really like just a member that, like, of the John band. Paul Jones just showed up to do some Queens of Stone Age songs. So if you look at it that way, there's like two or three really good tracks on there, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like the Iggy Pop album. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not a Zeppelin album. It's a Queens of Stone Age album that has John Paul Jones. Yeah, it's just and a feature. And the Iggy Pop album, too. It's, like, featuring Queens of Stone Age and Arctic Monkeys members, you know? But this is something like that, where maybe there are people that are first discovering the Beatles and they're teenagers right now, and this will be like, whoa, that's cool. That's crazy. That's got to yeah, be the maybe. target audience. I don't know. I, I suspect the song isn't going to be good enough to make them be like, this is crazy. It just can't be that good. There's no way. Yeah. They would have fought harder for it 20 years ago to get it on anthology. Also, one thing I didn't realize until now is that Double Fantasy came out like right as he died. So huh. if he had good songs that were unused, why weren't they on that? Yeah. Like, it's not like he was in the run up to an album when he died. He was right at the peak of an album cycle. It was being released. So, and that was a double album, right? I think that was a double album. I don't know off the top of my head. I know his solo discography worse than. Yeah, I'm not that familiar ones, with it. Um, no, that was normal length. I don't know why I thought oh, okay. it was, just because of the title. I, I thought it was a double album. Yeah, it but sounds yeah, like it would be. It, uh, it seems like if those three songs were really good, they would have just been on that album because it came out in yeah. November 1980. Agreed. He probably didn't have a bunch of great shit in the tank, but uh, who knows? Maybe it'll be really good. Maybe it's the best Beatles song ever. That would be good. Like real love, I think would kind of be up there. It would need better lyrics. It needs to be shaken up a little bit. Maybe add a, a new bridge. Fine. Like, yeah. I mean, if you just judge it for what it is on the recording, that's not in the top 50 Beatles songs. Like, no, eh. with some work, there's a, there's a kernel of like a top 10 Beatles yeah. song in there. And I think that he himself probably wouldn't be that happy. Like thinking about the fact that he just hates how like he claimed that let it be is just an unfinished album. He would say the same thing about that song without a question, you know? Yeah. He would definitely not want it released. He would not want these random tapes from his house being put out and have people yeah. pouring over him like George Harrison playing over it and then deciding that he didn't like it. And then Paul McCartney putting it out 25 years later, more yeah. than 25 <laughs> years later, 28 years later. I don't see it. I don't think it's too crazy to be like, they're just like desecrating these demos, you know? Yeah. Like, like that's like harsh terminology, but I don't think he wanted them to do this and they're, they're delusional or at least just so egotistical to think that this is something that he wanted. Yeah. He definitely didn't want this and I don't really care too much about what he wanted yeah, who and gives didn't a shit, want because yeah. he wanted a lot of stupid shit too. Like yeah, a, and this stuff's going to fade away. A walk-in freezer like, for his fur coats, famously. The thing about the 2020s is that even the Beatles, the Beatles put out a new track in the 2020s, that thing's going to disappear like most music does. Yeah, no one's going to listen to it. It doesn't matter. Just like Free as a Bird and Real Love didn't become Beatles songs. Yeah, you don't hear that shit on like classic rock radio. <laughs> Those are not canonical Beatles songs. No one talks about no. it. I guess what I'm saying is that nothing matters and that's just fine. The past is just a big pool of goop for us to play with. Yep. We thank God for a damn time.